All right. I'm so excited to share this word with you. We're in this new series called Moving Forward. This is part three. If you missed any of the other parts, um, Abigail has put them out on the podcast, which there's tons of ways through the website, the app, all that kind of thing to find the podcast. Uh, This has been a series. I'm going to open up with Acts chapter 3, verse 6, and and then I'm going to pray. Acts 3, 6 says this. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And I uh, just open up our hearts this morning. I pray for God, an atmosphere of real sincere and powerful faith today. God, as we hear your word, your word creates an opportunity for us to respond in faith. We hear the word and we can have faith, Lord. So, Lord, this morning, let your words uh, just bring uh, out a real faith in us. Let's latch on to your word. Pray for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to share what's in your heart today. God, I thank you. You're so good at speaking to us. And uh, we just are ready to hear from you and let it bring life uh, into our day-to-day walk with you. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. So this, this new series called Moving Forward, we are looking at keys to moving forward in your life in areas that the Lord has for you. And I think all of us have those moments in our lives where we're like, okay, I'm ready to get on with it. Anybody there? Like you're just kind of ready to move, to move forward. It could be that you're stuck. It could be that you've been waiting for a change and you're just ready. And so in this series, we're kind of chipping away at just different aspects that will enable you to be ready to move forward. In the first part, uh, we talked about the point of no return. Uh, sometimes you come to this place where you kind of have to burn your ships, if you will. Or in the Old Testament with Elijah, he, he burnt the plows and, and slaughtered the oxen. He just said, you know what, my old life and, and what I had is gone, and I'm just setting myself up so that I can't return, the point of no return. Last week we talked about how we won't look back. Uh, so often our past has more control and influence over us than God intends it to. And we looked at the Apostle Paul, how he was Saul, the persecutor against Christians. And how amazing is it that most of us, when we think of the Apostle Paul, we don't even think about his past because we think of all the great things that God has done in his present and in his future when we read the word of God. And that should be true of our lives. We all have stuff that we want to leave behind in the past and there are things that God is working us through, but we don't want to be defined by things in the past and we don't want to be known by some things in the past. Amen? We want to be known by what God is doing and what he will do. This week we're going to talk about um, living ready. To move forward, sometimes you just got to be ready. Has anybody here ever, like, you missed an opportunity because you weren't ready? I think sometimes God's ready to move us forward, but we miss opportunities because we're not ready to move forward. So we're going to look at a series of scriptures today. We, you are going to get some Bible today. I've got at least three Bible stories for you this morning. I've got an optional fourth if time allows, but we're just going to be rolling through the Bible. So you might need to put your hair back because your hair might get blown out this morning. We're going to be moving so fast. Um, Mike, you're going to be okay, though. You're you got that hair, it just stays, right, like that. It's like, yeah, we're talking to you. Not that, Mike. He's had his attention for today. Now it's your turn. All right, are you all ready? 
for Acts chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to break this down a little bit more today. Acts 3, 1. This is a New Testament scripture. This is after the cross. Jesus has died on the cross. He's raised from the dead. And by Acts 3, he's up in heaven, and the church is now blossoming, right? The local church. And so Acts 3, 1 says this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. I love that. Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly, would you say instantly? Instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God. I think this is just a wonderful story. Um, have you ever, when you're reading scripture, sometimes you read about the story. Have you ever put yourself into the story? Let's put ourselves into the story for a moment, right? Peter and John are walking to the temple. Now, this temple in Jerusalem would have been a temple that they've been to many, many, many times. It was a common place. They're headed, headed to a place that's common to them. They're headed there um, with people that they're used to. You know, Peter and John are very comfortable with, them, with each other. And they're even faced with a situation that would have been common every day, which is these beggars positioning themselves outside of the temple courts, and they are begging for people going into, into church, basically, into temple and going, going to worship God. And yet, in that common place, with common person, in a common situation, there is this moment where God was ready to do a miracle. Where all of a sudden, it wasn't common anymore. It wasn't regular anymore. I wonder what was happening in Peter that day where he was ready with the word of the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? Where there was just something about him that said, hold on, wait a moment. As a matter of fact, the guy who was begging, he had to get the man's attention. That's how like common and regular this is. He's like, hey, look at me. Like, you ready for this? Now let's put ourselves in the place of the beggar. The beggar is just sitting there and he's just, you know, doing his thing and he's asking for money and asking for a little help and all of that. And all of a sudden somebody yells out to him, look at me. Can you imagine? I mean, that would have got some people's attention. Go out on the, on the streets of Richmond this day and if somebody's asking or panhandling, go, look at me. People are going to think you're rude. So the guy looks at him and he's expecting to get some, some money. And the guy looks at, and, and Peter looks at him and says, like, look, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And in that moment, what did the guy do? He gets up. He, the strength comes in him, and he gets up. And, I, you know, there was two people who are ready in this story. Peter is ready with the word of the Lord and ready to say, no, you know what? This ain't regular today. This ain't just another day today. I've got the word of the Lord to, to, for you today. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And guess who else had to be ready? The man who's sitting right there. He had to say, you know what? I'm getting up. I, I'm going to cooperate with what I am hearing 
in this moment. You know, one of the reasons that we feel stuck in life, one of the reasons that we don't always move forward in an area of our life is because we're not ready. We're just kind of used to it. And I think that's normal, but it doesn't make it okay. Does that make sense? Because we get into patterns. I like patterns, and I have my pattern. We all have our patterns, right? But sometimes God is ready to shake up the pattern. And the question is, are you ready? Or I like that phrase I hear around in Goochland every once in a while. I'm sitting on ready. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sitting on, I'm ready. Are you ready for God to move in your life? Are you ready for God to move through your life? The reasons I talked about generosity with our offering today is there's something about um, living generous and looking for an opportunity to be generous that gets you in a more ready state. That's why I said, you know, you can be generous with your money, generous with your time, generous with your affection, generous with a prayer, and just being willing to be generous with those who are around you. And so we're going to look at some simple principles today in Scripture that help us to live ready, ready to, um, to move forward, ready to seize the moment, ready to see God move, ready to be part of a move of God. And I feel like, I feel like this story today is the story that we all want to reach to, if that makes sense. Like, I want to be that ready. I want to be that ready so that if it's me who's supposed to give the word of the Lord, I can say, hey, I'm going to pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. He's going to do, a, do something for you. And I also want to be willing to be on the other side of the story when somebody comes to me with the word of the Lord to go, yeah, I'm ready to receive what he has for me. To me, the quickness, the, the, the flash of that story, it's like, now that is ready. Let's talk about how to get there. One scripture I want to show you is in, um, in the Old Testament. This is 1 Samuel chapter 14, where Israel's army is at war with the enemy, the Philistines. And this is where the Old Testament King Saul is the king. And he had a son. His son's name was Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan's a really neat character in the Word of God because he's really good friends with who would become the second king, our, one of our favorite kings, King David. And uh, one morning, Jonathan gets up and he decides he's going to go out to the outpost of the enemy. So he grabs his armor bearer, because I guess when you're a prince, you have an armor bearer, you get one of those. And you go out, he says, let's just go out and, t- and check the uh, outpost of the enemy. Doesn't tell a soul what he's doing. Uh, doesn't, nobody knows that he's gone. He just says, come on, let's go for a walk. 1 Samuel 14, 6 says this. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of the uncircumcised men. I love it when the Bible talks trash to the enemies. I just, it really is funny to me. Um, Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. So the way that the story unfolds is um, they find this outpost of, the enemy and there's uh, there's a group of Philistines on top of a cliff and Jonathan comes up with this whiz bang plan and he says listen armor bear here's what we're going to do uh, we're going to just find out if God wants to move here and so the way we're going to do that is we're going to kind of like get ourselves in a place where the men on the cliff can see us and here's here's what we'll do if the men say come on up here we're going to know that God gave them into our hands and we're going to go up there and kick some uh, Philistine hind end, right? We're going we're gonna to do some good for the kingdom. He goes, if they say, wait there, 
till we come down. Okay, then we'll know that that's not what God wants to do. And so sure enough, they present themselves and uh, the Philistines say to them, hey, hey, why don't you come up here and we'll teach you a lesson is how they put it in Scripture. And so Jonathan looks at his armor and says, it's game on, man. That's the Mike Hennigan verbalized edition. And they go up on there and it says that they take out 20 of the enemy. And um, in this circumstance, um, the next thing that happens is that God moves in the entire situation, not just with what Jonathan is doing. First Samuel fourteen fifteen says, then panic struck the whole army. Talking about the whole Philistine army, those in the camp, uh, in the camp and field, and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook, and it was panic sent by God. So God used Jonathan's um, little battle, and then he shakes the earth quite literally. It throws the entire army into a panic. They start hurting each other, and they're in confusion, and Israel wins the battle altogether. Isn't that interesting, Jonathan's attitude that morning? He kind of woke up, and I, what I love about Jonathan's disposition is that he's ready for something to change. He's looking for something to change. He's willing to be a part of the solution. Y'all, sometimes, sometimes we want change, but we don't want to have any work. <sighs> right? It's like I just want to wake up one morning, eat my Lucky Charms, and they're magically delicious, and everything is magically different. It's like, ah, it's just all done, Right? I didn't have any participation, but I love Jonathan's attitude because he is not only ready and looking for it, but he's willing to be part of the solution. And yet he's not presumptuous. This is the key to today's message. There are times when you need to be ready, but being ready does not mean be presumptuous. You don't get to pick when God does what he does. He don't work for you. We work for him. Now we know his will. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's our king. He's our Lord. He's our provider. We know his will and his disposition. We know that he loves us. There's all of these presuppositions that we have. About his character. And who he is. And what he does. But there isn't a presumption i want to be careful there because you know god gives us authority to speak against sickness and to to and to speak in the situations and things like that and i absolutely believe that but there's a difference between authority and presumption sometimes we will run ahead of the lord rather than cooperate with the word of the lord if that makes sense and so he gives God room to move. This story would have played out differently if he went up to the cliff and he just would have said, listen, I'm just, we're just going to go take him out. And it would have been man-centered. We're going to do this. We're going to make this happen. Some of us, that's the way we're wired. It's not that we don't want to do anything, that we want to do nothing. It's that we want to do it all, Right? And there's this tension that happens between your willingness to cooperate but not trying to take control out of God's hands and do his work for him. 
And so living ready, it's not about control. It's not about life in your own hands. It's about this disposition that says, I am ready to move when when you are God, and I'm ready to respond when you lead me. But I think for most of us, most of the time, those moments when he nudges, those moments when he's ready, we're typically not that ready. So how do, you, how do we have that lean forward without running ahead of God? And I, I want to tell you, it's not a, it's not a science. You know, sometimes we just want to, like, make it down into an equation. I'm an analytical person, so I like to just figure it out. But the reality is sometimes you, you realize, oh, you know what, I'm going a little too fast. Other times you're like, no, I'm sitting back. And so it's kind of like driving your car. You just kind of, sometimes you've got to press on the gas, sometimes you've got to lighten up on the gas. There's a relational aspect in your interaction with God that just says, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? How, how much do you want me to push this? How much do you want me to lay back and let your timing and let what you're doing work? Like, what is it that you want to do in this situation? I think God loves that relational aspect of it, that we're interacting with him and we're not putting the words or we're not dictating to him what he's going to do and when he's going to do it, but we're also ready for him to move in our hearts and our lives. And that's what you got to love about, you know, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will just, you know, in a moment speak to your heart. What was it? What was it happening in Peter's heart that day when he just you get this sense like when you're reading the scripture. I'd like to ask him about it. Like something just like rose up in his heart, just this prophetic sense of, you know what? Jesus has provided for this, and I'm going to speak to this right now. And just something arose up. But I think you've got to be ready to cooperate with that. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You know, in these situations, it's not about the supply that you have. It's about the one who does supply. Peter and James and John, or Peter and John, they trusted him who was going to supply the healing and knew that Jesus was a healer, knew that in his name that Jesus had provided for this man's healing, right? Um, in the situation that we just uh, read, it says, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord. This is what Jonathan is saying to his armor bearer. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. He's referring to the fact that it's really just the two of them. They're just kind of out taking a, a stroll that day and kind of looking looking for trouble, but not trying to jump into the trouble, if that makes sense. So he's it, like, you know what? God can use the two of us. Let's just go see if he wants to do something with us today. Wouldn't it be cool to like go to work on Monday and just say, you know what, God? I'm available. Hey, you want to do something? Show me and let me take the step. And I want to say really practically, so many times it's not complicated what the Lord will do or lead you to do. Sometimes he'll just say, hey, I want you to pray for that someone. Or sometimes he'll give a sentence, you know, to in your heart. And it's like, will you say that sentence? Like, I've had the Lord put things in my heart like, so where are you with Jesus? Which seems so bold in today's society. Whoa, you know, like, that's just crazy town. Like, what? But if you ask them, you know, hey, where are you with impeachment? Oh, everybody's got something to say. 
I can't ask where people are with Jesus? We ain't talking about that, by the way. I'm not. <laughs> Some of y'all, whoo, you just woke up. I'm just going to do that every once in a while while I'm preaching. I'm just going to say the word impeachment and get some of y'all's attention. Hey, what's he talking about? And then you're going to be let down because I ain't talking about all that. Love y'all. That was just fun. Almost irresponsible, but fun. It's not about the supply. It's about. It's about the one who supplies. Even today, when we're talking about the offering, it's not about how much is in your hand. It's about what are you willing to do with what you got in your hand, right? And I want to underscore that in this, this uh, third story that I want to share with you this morning. Luke chapter 9, verse 10. We're back in the New Testament. We're going flip-flop, flip-flop, back and forth, right? Luke nine twelve says this. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came, talking about Jesus' disciples, came to him and said, send the crowd away. So they can go to the surrounding villages in the countryside and find some food and lodging because we are in a remote place. He replied, this is Jesus replying, he says, you give them something to eat. They answered very practically and very truthfully. We only have, can you say only have? We only have. I think the Lord loves it when we use phrases like I only have. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go to buy some food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups at about 50 each. Some of you all know where this is headed. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven. He gave thanks, and he broke them, and he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. When they had all ate and were satisfied, the disciples were picked up. Now, for you math people, right? They picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. How many did they start off with? They started off with five loaves and two fishes, and they picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Y'all, that's a really cool miracle right there. The disciples are thinking, and again, we've got to drop ourselves into the story, right? They're thinking just like we think. Let's be practical, Jesus. It's been a long day. Let's send these people home so that they can get some food. We can't, the Walmart isn't even close right now. We can't, we don't have a source of food. The, the, the nice thing to do, the loving thing to do, Jesus, is to send them home. And Jesus looks at them and he says, you give them something to eat. That's, that's practically rude, right? And so they just reply to Jesus. They don't say you're rude. They say we have, this is all we have. Anybody around here ever said to Jesus, this is all I have? I have, right? And Jesus, he takes it, he blesses it, he breaks it. And what I love about this story is he puts the supply into the, back into the disciples' hands. So he takes it into his hands, breaks it, puts it back into their hands, and they're distributing it. Jesus, what if the story could have played differently. Jesus could have said, now y'all sit down and y'all just think about what you've done. And give me your food. And, I'm, and he could have distributed it to the 5,000 people himself and said, you see this? You see it keeping going? I mean, he could have done that. But no, in this, in this story, what does he do? He takes what they have, he breaks it and blesses it, puts it back in their hands, and then they start distributing it. Can you imagine the eyes, like their eyes meeting among people? They're like, it's still going. 
Judas, you run out yet? I've got plenty, you know, and, you know, Peter, Paul, you know, like, no, not Paul, excuse me, Bartholomew. Um, they're all, but anyhow, there's a, there was a Bartholomew. Anyhow, there, so they're all distributing it and, you know, going on, we're all like, oh, who was there? Okay. There are about a dozen. Anyhow, what a cool miracle happening in their hands in that moment. All the disciples did that day was obey. They just listened to what Jesus said to do, and they did it. And they, they, just, they just followed his direction. I want to ask you, do you believe, think about this, do you believe that God can multiply what's in your hand? I was talking to you earlier about generosity and trying to be generous. And I've been personally just challenging myself over the last few weeks to just be generous on opportunities. And sure enough, you know, I want to be generous because there's a reward in being generous. And I know that sowing is the side that I want to be on, right? And sure enough, just in the last few days after doing that, somebody came to me and told me about this uh, basically a tax thing that is probably going to save my family like hundreds of dollars over the next year. And I'm like... That's just funny. It's interesting timing, too. Really interesting timing that that would happen right about then. But you know what? I, the, the whole motivation is I just I want to be generous. I want to be leaning on the parts of generosity. And, yeah, I've got some needs. And, but you know what? God's going to take those. But I'm going to err on the side of just being ready and being generous. And I think, you know, they have these five fish and they have these two loaves. And there's 12 of them. They need food, too. And yet God is like, take what's in your hand. And be generous. You know, sometimes the place that God wants to move is exactly in the place of your need. Here's the bonus story. The bonus story is this. Elijah prophesies. This is, we're going back to the Old Testament. I know. Flip, flop, flip, flop. Don't worry. It's allowed. We're allowed to use both the whole book. Go back to the Old Testament. Elijah, the prophet, prophesies a famine in the land. And there's a drought. There's a drought, famine, and people are in real need. He goes um, across... Uh, across the river Jordan, and the Lord is providing for him through a raven who's bringing him food and meat and that kind of thing. And so he's eating. But then the Lord tells him, listen, the supply's going. I want you to go to this widow at Zarephath, and I want you to meet her, and she's going to feed you. He goes to the widow of Zarephath, and he says, because of the word of the Lord, he says, Lord, or he says to her, will you, you know, give me some food? Now, I, I want to I point something out here. When the Lord told him to go, the miraculous provision that he had before dried up. So God was saying to go, and he dried up the miracle. That's enough for me. I'm ready to go, right? There's no more food. He's told me where to go. So he goes to the, and you've you got to hear that part, because what's going to happen next is a bit shocking. He goes up to the widow, and he says, listen, will you give me some food? And she says, well, here's the thing. This is all I have left. I'm going to go home. I'm going to make my last meal for me and my son, and then we're going to die because we don't have any food. I don't know about you, but at that moment, I'd be like, you're good. You know what I'm talking about? And the prophet looks at her and says, make me some bread. I'd be like, I could, I, this woman and her child are going to starve. But 
it's the previous part of the story that's the powerful part. His supply dries up. The Lord tells him where to go. Just like last week, I want you to go to the street called Straight and look for this guy named Saul, and I want you to lay hands on him, like very specific orders. I want you to go to this town. I want you to find this widow, and I want you to ask her for food. And so he asks her for food, but then he says the word of the Lord to her and says, and your supply is not going to dry up. And so all she had was this little bit. And God asked her to share it with the prophet. She shares it with the prophet. And then she has enough food for her son and her throughout the entire drought and the entire famine. Sometimes God just wants to be God. He just wants to show himself about God. Now, if, if he would have, you know, if you rewind the story and he's just making stuff up, we don't make stuff up. The Holy Spirit doesn't need your help. He just needs you to seek him and ask him for the word of the Lord and say, God, what are you saying? And what do you want me to do? What's in my hands is really yours. You show me what you want to do. And in this situation, in great lack, there was great provision. And Elijah had to be ready and willing. And I can't wait to talk to this lady someday and say, what was going through your mind? Was it? Well, you know, what's one less part of a meal? When we're going to die, let's give this thing a go. I don't know. I mean, what was what was really was it? Did faith rise up inside of her? But the, it was they were ready. They were ready for what God wanted to do in that situation. I'm going to close with this scripture. Acts three three. When Peter and John were about to enter, they asked for money, and Peter looked straight at him. As did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention and expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Peter was ready. The man was ready. And God did something really miraculous. Sometimes to move forward, you just got to be ready. I'm going to leave you with these, these three things of how... To be ready. One is just live prayerfully. I keep talking about the communication and the relationship. Just live prayerfully. You know, was it Bon Jovi who said living on a prayer? So close, but so far away. Don't live on a prayer. Live on prayer. That's just going to stick with you all because I said Bon Jovi. For some of you, it's going to stick with you because I said the word impeachment today. You're going to remember the whole sermon. Uh, Second thing is. Live thoughtfully. Live prayerfully. Live thoughtfully. What I mean by thoughtfully is you are not the center of your own universe. Pay attention to who's around you. Because what God wants to do is he wants to move not just in and through your life, but he wants to use you to touch others and vice versa. The Elijah and the, uh, the widow at Zarephath, it took these two bringing them together. Peter and this lame man, the Lord brought them together. The disciples and these 5,000 people who are about to be hungry, like he brings, like he brings situations together. So you just got to be thoughtful and recognize that God often wants to touch your life through and around the people who are in your life. So you got to pay attention. Y'all know, I mean, we get into our lives and our days and it's like you can be in a crowd of a thousand people and you think you're the only person there. And that's just not how the Lord wants you to think. He wants you to care about who's around you.
Pay attention and live thoughtful. The third thing is to live faith-filled. Faith-filled. Because God can do exceedingly more than you can ask and desire. He can do so much more than what you anticipate. But to live in in a faith-filled attitude, you have to fill yourself with the word. If you... I'm just going to play with this all for service. If you live on impeachment news, you are not going to build your faith. Can I say that again? If you live on impeachment news, you are not going to fill your faith. But if you live in the word of God and you allow that to fill you, you are going to have your faith built up. Consequently, this is Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. If you need some more faith in your heart and your mind, fill yourself with the word. I had this you know, widow of Zarephath uh, story as a backup because it was just my regular Bible reading this week. And I was just reading it. And I was like, that is so cool. So I actually have it in my notes. You can verify it with Abigail. Optional story in there just 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 from the regular like reading of the bible just want to encourage you just fill yourself with the word because to be ready you got to know you got to be able to hear the holy spirit speaking give him something to work with fill yourself with the word so that you're ready amen would you stand with me grace y'all are fun thank y'all for letting me mess around and say my my magic word of the day Now, if you all start talking about impeachment all day, I'm going to feel very defeated as a pastor. So please, just here's my men in black pen. Everything but the word today. There you go. (laughs) I'm going to pray pray for us. And then uh, if you could use some prayer today, um, maybe there's an area in your life where you need to move forward and something needs to break loose. And you just could use some people to stand in faith and pray for you. Then come on and we will pray with you today. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you, Jesus, for the things that you have planned. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. And Lord, are called according to your purpose. I pray, Father, this morning, I pray, Jesus, Lord, that our hearts would be ready. Ready in the moment. Ready for opportunity. Father, not just ready for what you want to do in our lives, but Lord, really thoughtfully thinking of others, ready for what you want to do in others' lives. Because he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Let our hearts and our eyes and our, our, our lives, Lord, be prayerful and attentive and faith-filled so that, God, you can have those moments where we can look at someone, go look at me, Rise up and walk. Look at me. Jesus wants to heal you right now. Look at me. God's going to do something for you. Give me your attention because right now you've got to respond to the word of the Lord. Father, I thank you that you're a God who moves us forward. Lord, I pray that even this week as we go about our regular business, Lord, help us to be ready. Ready for what you want to do. God, we thank you that you're a God who moves us forward. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed this morning. If you need some prayer today, 
Make sure you get it before you go. How was the dance? It was. Was it? Did you dance? Yeah. What was the best song you did? Don't you wish you would look? Thank you. I'd hug you, but I got this cold. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to a pastor's conference tonight in Portland. And, you know, we're speaking in one of the breakout sessions on Tuesday morning. And it's like, devil, shut up. Amen. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I haven't opened it, but thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. All right. Y'all have a blast. Y'all have a blast. A blast. We will. We will. My man, come on. Those are awesome. It's a lie, but my friend's got a tendency. Yeah. Cool. Good job. Hmm? Good. I'm glad. Proud of you, man. I'm going to go check with Ethan. Hey, Johnsy. How are you? I'm good. good. Is the thing on? I can't hear it either. 